The first reading is Isaiah chapter 9, starting at verse 1, on page 722, if you picked up a red Bible. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honour Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulder, shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. second reading comes from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Big news. Good news I have for you tonight. What is the news? Jesus came into the world. You say, Sean, that's not news. News has to be new. You can see it in the word, can't you? News has to be new. If it's not new, if you've heard it before, it's not news. What is it? 
olds. And no one wants to hear olds. And that Jesus came into the world is most certainly olds. You have known it from your earliest memory. You know it every day of your life. And for every Christmas, you know it. That's why this time of the, of the year you ought to feel especially sorry for preachers because their job is to make something olds seem news, to come up with some new creative way of saying something that everyone already knows. Though actually it's not just a problem for preachers, is it? It's all our problem. For all of us know this, that Jesus came into the world. And somehow we all need help to know that it is big news and that it is good news. Well, it was certainly news for Mary, wasn't it? There she was. She'd had the big news. She'd become engaged. A formally witnessed agreement between her and Joseph. And about 12 months later, she would get actually married. She was in that in-between time, waiting, when suddenly, and this was new for Mary, an angel appeared and said the most strange thing, verse 28, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. Favoured is not a word that we use much, is it? Though we do say, can you do me a favour? We might say, so and so is clearly in favour at the moment. It's obviously a, a, a positive sort of attitude that someone has to you and they treat you well. With whom is she in favour? Verse 28. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Well, Mary is certainly favoured. She, the angel tells her, is going to have a baby. And not just any baby, she is going to have the baby. She is highly favoured. Why? Why did God choose Mary? Why is she in favour with God? Well, if you remember the story, it's clearly well. It's, clear, it's obvious, really, how it turns out. She goes on this extraordinary journey of 140 kilometres when she's very big with child turns up, there's nowhere to stay and her husband hasn't booked anywhere. She gives birth in a stable, lays him in an animal food trough, does her hair and her makeup and looks terrific for the Christmas cards. She's a super mum. No wonder God chose her. Now, jokes aside, some people do think, don't they, that Mary deserved this honour that she was good, indeed more than good. She was perfect from birth. Some people think she was sinless. What does Luke say? Have a look at verse 26. 
In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Where is Mary from? She's from Nazareth. What sort of a town is Nazareth? It's the sort of town that when you say it, you need to say whereabouts it is. Do you know? Like when my in-laws lived at Kalongaluk and when I was going to visit and people asked me, where are you going for your holidays? And I said to Kalongaluk, they looked at me blankly for some reason. And I had to say it's on the Pacific Highway at about 100 kilometres an hour on the way to Taree. Nazareth, Nazareth is a town in Galilee. It is a nowhere town. Nothing significant about Nazareth. It's a town in Galilee, which is not in the south of Israel where Jerusalem is and the temple is, the capital. No, it's in the north where nowhere is, where God's people in the Old Testament most of all disobeyed God and so they were the first people to go when the Assyrians came through. You saw it in our reading from Isaiah 9. It's those living in the shadow of death. It's the wrong end of Israel. She is from a nowhere town in the wrong end of Israel. But what about her? Perhaps she's an exception from this place. Verse 27. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Joseph's got a bit of a claim to fame. He's from the right family, a descendant of David, and that's important for the story. Mary, on the other hand, which family is she from? Who knows? Luke doesn't tell us. What does he say about Mary? The virgin's name was Mary. The only thing you're told is her name and the fact that she's a virgin which is important for the story. She is from a nowhere place in the wrong end of Israel. And, frankly, she is a nobody. In the opening scene of Luke's Gospel, there's a very similar story about when an angel is sent to some people to say they're going to have a baby. Do you remember? Elizabeth and Zechariah. They are in a somewhere place. Jerusalem, and he's in the temple. And they are somebodies. They're from the right tribe, the tribe of Aaron. And, more importantly, have a look at chapter 1, verse 6. They are extraordinarily good. 1, verse 6. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. It's a very similar story, except that they are somebodies from a somewhere place and they are very good. And what does it say about Mary's goodness? Have a look again in verse 27. Mary is a virgin. That's her stage in life. Nothing good is said about Mary. There's no reason given here for why God chose her. Do you see? 
She's highly favoured. And favoured is a word that we don't use very much. Do you know what the word really is here? A word that we actually know quite well as Christians? Grace. She is highly graced. For grace is favour from someone else that you don't deserve. At Christmas time, we have a man come to town in a red suit. And he knows, doesn't he? He knows whether you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake, because then you'll get a better present. Christmas, can I say, is never about grace, is it? Be good, get a better present. As an adult, as you're choosing a present, aren't you always concerned, will I choose a good present? Will I choose better than I did last year when they didn't even smile when they opened it? Will I choose a present that's sufficiently comparable to the present they're going to give me? As I'm baking the food, will my food be good enough for the household that I'm going to? Christmas is not about grace, is it? That's the great shame of it. But the great news of the first Christmas is that it was about grace. God knew everything about Mary. He knew she was a nobody from a nowhere place with no special reason to choose her. She was simply graced. And that was very good news. And she is a symbol here, don't you think? For what was true for her, she was graced and didn't deserve it, is true for all people who are blessed by Jesus. Jesus came into the world. That's the news. Jesus came into the world for sinners. Big news and good news. He came into the world for people like Mary. He came into the world for people like me, a nobody from a nowhere place with no special goodness to make me deserve him. Like you. And that is big news. And that is good news, isn't it? Can you see that in the midst of all the ungrace of Christmas? Can you hear this news? But what is this news that Mary gets? What has she been highly favoured with? Verse 30, clearly, it's a baby. Verse 31, sorry. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He's no ordinary baby, but it's not his name that's extraordinary. Jesus is quite an ordinary name for that time. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the throne of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now that is news. This child has great expectations. He'll have the throne of his father David. You remember David beat Goliath, united the tribes, captured Jerusalem, built his palace, and then wanted to build a house for God. God said, no way, 
I'm building a house for you, a kingdom, a throne. Your throne will be established forever. We read it in Isaiah 9 tonight. There'll be a son of David who will rule on the throne of David and there'll be no end to his rule. And yet the house of David was a disaster. Most of the rulers disobeyed God consistently the palace is now a pile of rocks. I've seen it. The rocks are big and impressive, but they are just rocks. And the throne of David at this point in the story, when the angel went to Mary, had been empty for at least 400 years. There'd been a never-ending game of thrones in the Middle East, destroying everything that came in the way. And now... God sends an angel to a nobody woman in a nowhere town and says, you're going to have a child and your child's going to sit on that throne of David forever. I'm going to bring the whole game of thrones to an end because there'll just be one throne, a kingdom that will never end. Do you think that's news? Mary must have been flabbergasted. That's extraordinary news and good news because he'll be a good king. What is the news? Jesus is coming into the world to rule forever. Big news and good news. And the news is not about Mary. It's about Jesus. Nazareth really is a nowhere place. Compared to all the other places I went to in the Middle East, it was the duddest. We went on a tour of Nazareth and the most exciting thing on this walking tour was a spice shop. They had big bags of spices, but honestly, to an 18-year-old boy and to a middle-aged man, a spice shop is not the Spice Girls. It's pretty dull. So we cut the tour halfway through. And we went to see the Church of the Annunciation, the Church of the Announcement in Nazareth. It was an extraordinary church. Even before you got in the church, they had all these paintings of Mary and Jesus, paintings from right around the world. They had paintings from Thailand, from Slovakia, from Japan, even from Australia. And the wonderful thing was that in every picture there was Mary and Jesus. And as you can see here, the Mary and Jesus looked different. They didn't look like they were from Nazareth. What do they look like? Well, the one from Thailand looks like they're from Thailand. The one from Slovakia, which no one here knows what that looks like, but we're guessing that's what people look like in Slovakia. And you'll be really reassured that in the painting from Australia, he looked right. He looked Australian. This is not the most remarkable thing about the paintings because this is what we do with Jesus all the time, isn't it? We make him look like us. These were just put together, which pointed it out. The most extraordinary thing was that in every picture, Mary looked strong. Strong, capable, in charge. And Jesus was either a helpless baby or was dead. 
Jesus was either a helpless baby or was dead. Now, there's something wrong there, isn't there? It was even worse when you got inside the church because at the front of the church building, in a huge mural at the front where everyone can see it during the service, was this picture. This is Judgment Day. And there is Jesus, as you can see, he's alive, thumbs up, reminding us that he died, standing next to the Father, thumbs up. But there is someone else in the picture, someone above both of them, above the Father, above the Son, sitting on a throne, wearing a crown. Who is it? Mary. Mary, the Queen of Heaven, as she is called. Now let me ask you, in this passage, this is all you need to know, in this passage, who is the passage about? Who is the strong one in this passage? Who is the one deserving of all honour and glory? Who is the one you should put your trust in and your confidence in for the future of the world? It is not Mary. She is a nobody from a nowhere place with no special reason for being favoured by God. Jesus, on the other hand, is God's king who will rule forever. Can you see that? Can you hear this news? It's hard enough to see Jesus at all at Christmas, isn't it? I was in the city for a few days this week and Christmas was everywhere. Christmas sales, Christmas bargains, Christmas food, Christmas decorations. But as far as I can remember, I can't see Jesus, can't remember seeing Jesus anywhere. But if I did in some nativity display, what would he have looked like? A helpless baby. And so if you can manage to see Jesus at all at Christmas time, you see him as a helpless baby in a manger. Two weeks ago we saw that the manger is not a cute scene, but a scene of shame and rejection. That's what he did for us. Last week we saw in Revelation that he is no longer in the manger, that he grew into an adult, he died in shame, but he was raised, and he now sits upon the throne. Do you remember? John looked, and it looked like a lamb who had been slain, had been now standing in the centre of the throne. Can you see this at Christmas? Can you see Jesus at all, given all your busyness getting ready? And if you can see Jesus, is he a baby, weak and helpless? Or is he as he really is, seated on the throne, ruling forever? Here is the Christmas news that it's grace, highly favoured, you don't deserve it. And it comes not through Mary, but through the powerful King whose rule will never end. Well, how are you supposed to respond to this news? Perhaps we should go to the place. Find the place where this happened and bow down and worship. Perhaps we should all go to Nazareth and find the place where the angel saw her and spoke to her. 
You could go to this church. That's why they built the church here. They reckon they found the house. Tradition says this is the one where Mary was, at home when the angel appeared. And you could bow down and worship. We checked it out at this church. We weren't thoroughly convinced this was the place, so we went down the road to the Orthodox Church. They reckon she wasn't at home, but at the local well. And that's where the angel appeared. So they built a church over a little well, which looks like a wishing well that people have thrown coins into, at the bottom of their church. We weren't thoroughly convinced about that either. You could go to the place. Is that what you're supposed to do? Or are you supposed to go to Mary and get her blessing? No. She's a nobody from a nowhere place. She's highly favoured. She doesn't give out favour. But Mary does show us how to respond. The main thing that happens in this passage is that God speaks, doesn't he? He speaks about Jesus through the angel. It's the word we have to go to and respond to the news. And that's exactly what Mary does. Do you see there in verse 34, she hears this extraordinary news that she's going to become pregnant and this child will be on the throne of David forever. And what does she say? This can't be? That's never going to happen? No. Have a look, verse 36, 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? We sometimes think that people in the olden days, in the first century, were dumb, were ignorant. They didn't know. Literally, Mary says, how will this be, since I do not know a man? She knows it's got to involve sex, and she hasn't done that. How can this be? But can you see here that she's assuming it will happen? She does not say this won't happen. She thinks it will. But she asks the question, how? It's okay to ask how questions, do you see? We ask how questions all the time. How is it that this Jesus could be conceived in a virgin? How is it that Jesus could do his miracles? How is it that Jesus could be raised from the dead? How is it that Jesus will return again? We ask how questions and that's okay. But underneath the how questions needs to be this. Believing that what God says will actually happen. She believes it. Why? Because as the angel says in verse 37, nothing, no word, it says, is impossible with God. That's how we need to respond. Go to the promise, the word here, and believe it. So I simply want to ask you, do you believe this? That Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That he is the one who sits on the throne of David forever, even though you can't see it. Do you believe this? And if you believe this, then you need to be like Mary and submit to the consequences. This is big news for Mary, a baby. 
This is good news for Mary. She doesn't deserve it and she's going to bear the king of the world. She's highly favoured. It's big news and good news and she believes it. But it has big consequences for her, doesn't it? Just think about the consequences. Any pregnancy, even if you're hoping for it, has big consequences. But an unplanned pregnancy... An unplanned pregnancy when you're engaged to a man and it's not through him? How's he going to react? He might completely reject you and shame you in front of your community. How is your own family going to respond? This big news has big consequences for Mary. And what does she say? Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She believes the word and she wants it to happen. She could have said, I really hope this doesn't happen. I hope something gets in the way. No. May it be to me as you have said. She believes and submits to the consequences. And it is the same for us. We need to believe the words here about Jesus and we need to submit to the consequences. He sits on the throne of David forever. He needs to sit on the throne of our lives every day of the year. Is there some way particularly that you're not letting him do that? And if Mary was going to be shamed by believing this word, I take it it will be the same for us. If we stick with Jesus more and more, we will be shamed as well. Do we believe this word? Will we submit to the consequences? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you know how hard it is for us to hear the news that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, that Jesus came into the world to rule forever, to hear the news and to experience it as new. Father, help us to understand it afresh this Christmas. And Father, we pray that you would help us with all, the, all of the questions that we have to ask how, but help us, Father, to believe. And Father, help us to submit to the consequences of believing these things. We ask this in his name. Amen.